from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast. We're excited to get after today with the owner of Temple Fitness, also one of our Kramer basketball sponsors. So this is a special thing. It's it's just very, very special to me to get the owner of Temple Fitness, Zach Kramer, on here. He's a sponsor for Kramer basketball summer camps. He's got his logo on the back of all of our summer camp t-shirts, which is sweet. And it's perfect timing for our coaches listening this summer as we dig into what strengthening our athletes can look like what building some athleticism and, you know, maybe even more specifically some basketball athleticism throughout the perfect time of the season, this summer, this off season, when we do have some of the extra time to dedicate to things like that. So a little bit about uh, Zach Wayland, Michigan near Grand Rapids at their own fitness gym. Zach, tell us a little bit about why you have one of the most unique gyms in the world, right? You want to get stronger, you go to Temple Fitness. You want to lose some weight, you go to Temple Fitness. You want to be a professional MMA fighter, you go to Temple Fitness. I mean, this place is unbelievable. Just share with us a little bit. Uh, Zach, you're on mute. You hear me better now, probably. There you go. All right. Let's go. Go (laughs) First of all, it's an honor to, you know, be on this podcast and that just how many episodes in are you at this point? Over 250. 250? Over 250. I, uh, I think it's, it's, it's awesome to be a sponsor simply because I think that there's very few people who, from a service standpoint, go as hard as they possibly can to deliver as much value as humanly possible. And that's what, that's what you do. And that's what I model my own you know, career off of, of seeing, seeing Kramer basketball, man being diligent and going hard and not, not for our own sake, but, you know, really going hard and make sure we're delivering as much value as possible. So to sponsor and be a part of that and be on the back of your shirt, Kramer basketball shirts, so people can see it. That's an easy, easy thought. Something I want to be uh, partnered with. Um, but it is a weird place here at Temple Fitness. Um, kind of what we do is we work with pretty much anybody you can, you can think of, which, if you think about it like that, then it's like, all right, if you work with everybody, then you can't be good at working with everybody. You'll be really good at some things and not yeah. so good at other things. You got but... a staff, you get, you get specific with the different trainers you have that, that work there. Yeah. It's not, you know, one person just trying to figure all this stuff out. Right. We, uh, yeah, we have MMA fighters. We have day-to-day people. We have people who are trying to lose over a hundred pounds. We have people who are, you know, legitimately trying to make a career out of fighting. Um, <laughs> so from an athletic standpoint, we're, I'm training mostly fighters. So from a change of direction standpoint, explosiveness standpoint, we see a lot of similarities with basketball, um, with hand speed, with foot speed, footwork being, you know, incredibly, incredibly important. And as well as, you know, obviously having a lot of history, you know, training basketball players with you, um, knowing what it looks like all around to develop an athlete into somebody who is dangerous physically or dangerous as somebody like you can't guard me mm-hmm. or I'm going to shut you down. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for this podcast because I want to talk a little bit about nutrition, ideal exercises, um, and, you know, maybe a little bit of mindset stuff when it comes to like, how are you approaching your own, you know, training and things like mm-hmm. that. So I'm excited to get into it, bro. I like it. Um, yeah, it's funny, you know, depending on what time you show up to Zach's gym, there might be people like doing a sweat workout, trying to burn some calories. Um, there might be people just knocking the crap out of each other and wrestling, uh, depending on what time you show up at the gym, wide, a wide range of athletes coming in and out of, uh, all professions and, and age levels. So as a coach, who's listening to this podcast and they're thinking, okay, we want to be more efficient with our time. There's a lot of athletes doing different things throughout the course of the summer, some multi-sport, you got vacations thrown in, 
You obviously want to have some time with family and to be able to relax. If you were to give us even three really effective lifts for basketball, what would they be? If we're thinking about for what is going to take you the absolute furthest, like if you could only pick three exercises, honestly, that's an easy question. Um, number one, top of the list, and I know that you're an incredible advocate for is lunges. When you are lunging consistently, there's a certain like change that happens in just everything that you do. All of a sudden, by getting a little bit lower and entering, like for the same reason why you see a bunch of high schoolers, they don't want to squat very low. Because the lower and the bigger range of motion that you get, the harder it gets. But when you're lunging, you're in the full extension, the full coil of your muscles in every single rep. And it makes you so bouncy. You're so comfortable in all areas and flexibility for where your body might need to go, depending on the situation. So when it comes to the number one exercise for me, um, when it comes to longevity, speed, bounciness, like lunges all the way. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. And, you know, I've been an advocate for those for a long time. And, you know, if I just want to like burn my legs and get a great leg workout, I'll just go for distance. Right. But there, there's a lot of times where I just want to work on the different angles. Right. So I'll go forward lunges. I'll go reverse lunges. I'll go lateral lunges. I'll go, you know, kind of reverse angled lunges at 45 degrees. Yeah. Like you said, working on the different angles and some of the mobility the flexibility that comes with being a basketball player and really having to to stretch and move your feet at the, at the last minute in a lot of different directions. So that's definitely a good one. Let's, let's keep going. What's next. Uh, the next one is, is squats. Um, so that's not so effective for change of direction as much as it is, you know, increasing your vertical, making sure you're strong and you're solid. You know what it's like to be on a solid foundation with your foot placement so that you could explode as hard as possible. Um, so squat is definitely up there. Um, I would, even, and so if, if we're talking about lifts, you know, you would lift weight, um, but also practicing jumping as high as you can alongside that. But what mm -hmm. we would look at when it comes to squats is that you wouldn't need to squat a billion times. So for the lunges, you're going to find more benefit by doing a lot of reps, right? You're going to be bouncy. You're going to be more explosive, boing, 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 back and forth, changing the angles, like you were saying, but with the squat, we don't need to do a billion reps more. So what we're looking for to develop a lot more, uh, strength and explosiveness would be doing six reps maximum. And I know we talked about this on a podcast, maybe a year and a half ago or something like that, but you would want to get at least three reps so listen to me about how the, how, the, how the choosing of the weight and the reps would work. So if you're going for a squat, you would choose a weight that you think you can do six times, but there's no way that you could do seven times. Pick that weight. So if you go and you explode up as hard as you can, sit down in your squat and explode up, and you got to four reps, and then you did your fifth rep. And if you're, all four of your reps were the same speed as fast as possible, but your fifth rep was slower than your other four reps, just stop. Don't worry about the rep five. Because we're really concentrating on six. the explosiveness. We only need to train for the explosiveness, right? So you could, if you wanted to, is take a little bit of weight off. Don't be a you know an egotist about it. Take a little bit of weight off. Train for the explosiveness. Because if you're trying to be that dude who's like, no, I'm going to get all my – I get it. I think it's good to get all your reps in depending on what your intention is. Mm -hmm. Your intention for this particular you know, exercise and movement um, to be explosive, it's not, it's not to get all your reps, you know, it's not mm -hmm. for that. So, um, if you did get six and you felt like you could do seven, you need way more weight. And that's mm -hmm. kind of how you would navigate building a ton of explosiveness. Mm -hmm. And so we're working as, as we do these exercises, it's not, you know, you see people that are really strong. They got a ton of weight on there, but they're moving really slow throughout that movement. That's not what we're after. Not really. No. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, gotcha. there would be benefits to it. I'm sure their vertical would be improving in some capacity, but not even close to somebody who's training yeah, the way that pop. we just spoke about. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So lunges, squats. If you had to pick one more, what would it be? One more easy be cleans because mm. you're working your upper back um, a lot more, your posterior chain to make sure that you are basically like your chest is down a little bit. You're shooting your hips forward as hard as possible and your chest up as hard as possible. So it'd be the same similar uh, rep scheme as what we just spoke about with the squats, um, except to be a clean. You'd rip those elbows high, catch it at your shoulders and go heavy with 
you know, three to six reps. And that's going to really build an incredible foundation for you trying to develop your, um, your vertical. So we're building this, this base. All right. So we have cleans, lunges, and, and squats to build some, some good overall strength. And I know these can, as you mentioned, can be also very dynamic movements. You know, one thing that I get players asking me quite often is I want to jump higher. I want to be able to dunk, right? I want to, right. and, you know, personally, as someone who could jump super high, it is awesome. I will admit dunking is fantastic. Super cool. Right. But as, as a basketball player, what's more useful is like the quickness and the ability to change direction. I mean, that's, if I was an athlete and I had to pick like an of athletic super trait, it would be quickness and then be able to change direction. Yeah. Cause you, you, you're literally using that every single time. Whereas jumping, you're not using that every single possession just happens more often. So obviously anything that you do the most, something that you would want to have a stronger athletic characteristics. in. so are there some different exercises that you recommend for athletes to add in so they can build some overall athleticism? This could be jumping, this could be speed, quickness, agility, you know, take this whatever direction you like. I usually want to throw it back at you because I think this hmm. is an interesting question I've never thought about. So like you said, most people, they want to build the vertical, right? Um, but what you said is if I had to choose a superpower, essentially, where I was like, I was born with this, I think most people would pick vertical. Right. When we're looking at some of the most successful basketball players ever, um, we see high verticals be be part of their game. But is that the superpower that you think gets them the furthest to being as great as they really are? So right. I'm thinking about uh, who's the best jumper ever. I, I mean, MJ's up there, obviously, but maybe Vince Carter, really, really bouncy. I don't know. He's fast, but like his bounciness was, you know, his what you think of peak, yeah. right. No, it's a good example. Like I, so this player wasn't a great, great player, but he still played in the NBA for a while. His name was James White and he was a one foot dunker only. He could jump, like he could do between legs dunks from the free throw line. Probably the best one footed dunker I can remember seeing that was still like a pro pro athlete. Um, But you see that now, was he athletic all around? Of course he was, but that was like the thing, like this dude could literally fly off of his left leg with a, with a running start, Vince Carter, again, great all around athlete. Um, Jordan, as you mentioned, like when we watched the Jordan documentary, the thing that stood out to me, cause there's a lot of people that can jump high. Yeah. Jordan was so stinking fast. Like right. he, he was, and that's something we forget cause we're used to seeing the old, like came back out of retirement, Jordan. But for those first like 10 years in the league, he wasn't just jumping higher. He was literally beating people up and down the court, his change of direction, his first step. Like that stuff was just insane compared to the, the rest of the league. And, and that's why I think he's as crazy as it sounds. I think he's an underrated athlete because people just think of the jumping and kind of the end of his career. Right. Yeah, that's fascinating because, I mean, think about people who score the most as in general, as like, what is their gift? When I mean, you think of Allen Iverson, he could, he could jump higher than maybe you think he should have been able to. However, like his speed is what was the killer. Right. right. So, I mean, um, that's pretty interesting. I don't know why we went there, but I think that's, that's pretty fascinating. But I think that to, to the point, I guess, is like speed will take you further. What's going to get the girls dunking. Okay, cool. Good for you. Can show up slam on somebody i love it i love a guy mm-hmm. like that we want a guy like that on your team right um do you want to be that guy of course but speed yeah i think we'll get you further which i think is the point but that's awesome um so we're going back to like some some things i, I didn't so much uh write down any exercises but kind of like um a few things that we want to think about when it comes to being an overall explosive athlete um and change of direction exercises mm. is one that's that's really huge. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to um, ensuring that like you can stop on a dime and change direction again, it's going to make you a better defender as well as be able to get past somebody is here. I might be in more of a relaxed dribbling state, but then all of a sudden I'm gone, you know, so certain exercises like that where you might be um, 
jumping straight up in the air, land and explode off laterally mm-hmm. as fast as you possibly can. So you're in the air. There's nothing you can do except relax. You can work as hard as you want while you're in the air. Nothing's going to happen. But when you feel your feet touch, there's your trigger to explode, you know, in a certain, a certain direction to get somewhere. Um, so what, I mean, a simple tangible thing that you could do is like, all right, let's say I'm, I'm uh, on the wing and I'm trying to shoot a three at the top. Then I might jump before I start land and explode over there just to kind of get more explosive reps and to trigger my body to be like, all right, I'm uh, I'm trying to get out of here, get mm-hmm. somewhere else. Um, so different things like that. I think when it comes to lateral movements, get you open, you know, mm-hmm. way easier off screens and everything. So, so lateral movement, you know, that's, that's like the least sexy of all of them, I think is the lateral movement, but, in a game, yeah. that's the one that gets you cooked if you don't have it because you can't guard oh, yeah. anybody, especially like you right. use it offensively and you certainly use it defensively because you're in more of a reactive state to what the offensive player is going to do. So to mix in exercises like that, even if it's a basketball workout of like I'm working on jumping, I'm working on a lateral cut and then I get my shot up instead of just getting the shot up. Um, I think that's, that's great. I wasn't even thinking of, you know, going that direction with this podcast, but that's, that's a really good one to incorporate into your on-court skill workouts actually. So that's really cool. What are some other ones? Uh, Another one would be kind of like if I'm going backwards in time way, I don't know if you were coached exactly like, like I was, but coming up middle school, elementary school, early high school, really like conservative this is how you do it and if you vary from it we're going to yell at you is shuffling on defense Mm. obviously there's incredible value to shuffling on defense but when you're seeing kobe and jordan locking people up they're shuffling at first but they are keeping their chest it's ridiculous if you look at it they're keeping their chest almost forward at their defender Mm -hmm. and they're swiveling their hips and they're sprinting sideways stopping on a dime to get in front of them beat their feet beat their hip Oh my gosh. And that's something where basically like it was ingrained in me as a defensive player, as a younger player, where it's like, I would rather shuffle and get beat than to break my (laughs) stance apart and potentially be able to play better defense. Right. Because that's what was drilled into me. It's like, dude, come on. You got to shuffle. You got to shuffle. Well, shuffling isn't that fast. (laughs) Right. Right. So it's like, Hey guys, we need to shuffle faster. Okay, let's. I think outside the box. There's faster ways to do things, and it's not shuffling. Okay, so what what can we think about? And when we see like the best defensive players ever, they're in a, a weird, twisted sprint mm-hmm. to stop their guy, get mm-hmm. in front of them, stop on a dime, and keep on following them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that a lot of coaches can can easily implement is um that weird little uh twisted sprint but yeah. then you have to stop on an absolute dime to for it to be as ex- effective as possible because you're going a lot faster than a shuffle so we have a drill that i don't do enough with our players because i'll be honest most people pay me for offense <laughs> i'm not kidding yeah i mean most, yeah. most people are paying their their trainer to teach them how to become better defense defenders but but i need to take a little more ownership and do it anyway we have we have a simple drill called slide to sprint and we have the opposite of that which is called Mm -hmm. sprint to slide right and it's it's embodying the two movements that you just broke down was there's a time to shuffle and there's a time to sprint and that sprint is that crossover step that you're talking about where a player's on the run but i'm keeping my torso my upper body facing that defender but my lower half my hips are turned i'm stepping across myself until i can get down into my base and I've, I've cut that defender off. And so it's, it's that sprinting motion where you cut it. Now we're in our slide. And then we work on the slide into the sprinting motion of turning our hips while we're still keeping squared up upper body to the defensive player. That's a really, really good one to build overall basketball athleticism. I mean, you could do that on the court. You could do that, you know, in a field of grass, you could do it in your yard, um, you could do that during short movements. You could do it a little more, you know, distance. Uh, that one's huge. That's that's underrated. We've gone two so far, Zach, that I wasn't quite expecting, but I like I like where this is headed. You have any more? 
Yeah, man, I was I was just kind of thinking of the comparison of like if you had a clone team as a coach, you have a team that is the exact clone of you. Uh, there's a few a few things w- ways and change of direction defensively and offensively. It's uh, lateral speed, backward speed, and forward speed. And I think most teams like strictly and only train forward speed. But the you're not only doing forward speed, like on a fast break because you're in a bad situation is when you're really going to use the most forward speed or only are you going to use forward speed when you use lateral speed to get by somebody and then go in forward speed to get to, to the bucket, things like that. Right. But if you don't have the lateral speed, the change of direction speed, then the forward speed isn't going to do you any good. I think that the team who has really bad forward speed, um, but has incredible lateral speed, will beat the team who has great forward speed, but not, you know, great lateral speed. Um, They're going to have more opportunities to succeed if they have great lateral speed. So um, one thing that I was, I was thinking about is forward speeds, good sprints, things like this. Love it. Um, However, another uh, thing that I think is under trained is backward speed to a stop. So if uh, somebody is getting by me, kind of like we were, um, talking about switching your hips, but then stopping on a dime. So kind of working on uh, being good backwards and transition um, against a really fast defender. That is going to be only as valuable, I think, sometimes as it is your ability to stop once they pull up or stop and hit the layup right. or stop when you see uh, the block. You're like, all right, this is about my point where I could you know, draw a charge or where I should stop and jump as quick as possible. So tra- uh, train going backwards or on a backwards angle to a stop, to a jump. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can just do those things, run backwards, stop as fast as possible on the block, jump as high as you can and repetitively mm-hmm. train that without entering into more of a cardiovascular level, but more of like, we're not trying to get super, super tired. We're trying to go as hard as we possibly can for short movements. And that's going to build our athletic ability. I'm glad you mentioned that one because that's one that I see as a weakness for most youth basketball players in particular, where they don't have the ability to stop themselves when they want to actually stop and where they want to actually stop. Yeah. Their momentum keeps taking them forward. And so we can practice that more often through very simple exercises, whether it's a forward stop, a backpedal stop, adding the jumping, jumping in there. You know, it's such a great example for finishing on offense is players going to the basket. They get where they want And then as they take off to lift up for some type of finish, they really weren't able to have enough balance and body control to get up where, when, and how they hope to in their mind. And so to be able to train that stop aspect of getting that base and that balance is going to be huge, huge, huge. I mean, that's, that's great stuff. Let's take a quick break and we'll continue on with this episode with Temple Fitness. We'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, serving mid-Michigan in the thumb with their big three automotive needs. They have a wide range of products from Chevy, Buick, Ford, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram. And they also have a large selection of pre-owned vehicles with one of the largest selections of trucks in the state. They are sure to fit your needs. Standish and Gladwin are truck country. Richardson Automotive of Standish and Gladwin, they are all about service. And I can tell you firsthand from purchasing a couple different vehicles from Richardson Automotive, they are all about service. Stop in and see them today. They will get you right. We're back from our short break. And while we were on our break, Zach, the one exercise I was thinking of that I wanted to throw in that can have a lot of the multi-directional purposes in a very limited amount of space and it's super cheap is jumping rope. You know, I've jumped rope for, for a long time and I'm a big proponent of using the jump rope because it keeps, it's not going to have you like, it's not going to build your 40 inch vertical, right? That's not what the jump rope is for. Right. But to work on that quick pop, 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 where there's Mm -hmm. not a ton of load, it's not a deep knee bend. It's not a deep, hip hinge. It's just being able to hit the floor and boom, get right off of it again. You do that a lot in the game of basketball. And if you watch basketball overall, there's a ton of movements that take place 
where players are not really in that traditional loaded position where there's that big, you know, burst and explosion like you would in, you know, a, a big deadlift or or something like that. And uh, so jump rope, rhythm, timing, mm-hmm. footwork, right? Depend on types of jump you're doing. They're great for that. And then the last thing I want to throw in with the jump rope that I like and I've appreciated as I've gotten older is it's not as much wear and tear on my joints compared to more dynamic movements. So like if I want to get some reps, just cause it's, it's body weight, it's, it's just kind of light, light on your feet compared yeah. to doing like a really big box jump and then jumping down into a depth jump. Like there's only so many of those you would want to do. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's, that's underrated because I think it also helps prevent injury. You think about a lot of athletes. I had one guy on my team. He loved doing a jump stop and slamming the floor as hard as he could so that a packed gym would all know that he arrived at the block, slam his feet almost through the wooden floor. And you know, he'd jump as high as he can. Right. But in basketball, your foot placement isn't always assured. You don't know where you're going to step. You might step on somebody's foot. You're changing directions all the time. Your foot is on a different angle as it lands. So practicing that light-footed um, placement on the hardwood regularly for those very unfortunate occasions where your foot might not be perfect upon impact, you're going to save yourself if you're landing light from a rolled ankle than if you're landing hard. So really practicing, like you said, the jump rope is perfect for that, for making sure that you have light feather feet mm-hmm. so that if your foot does hit a bad you know, placement, you didn't weren't going all for, full force into your ankle anyway. So mm-hmm. light on your feet, light on your feet, feathery feet, as you like to call it. Check out our uh, Instagram page, Kramer underscore basketball. We've got a few jump rope uh, videos on there. So Zach, yeah. there's a lot of mistakes that we can make, right? If there's a right way to, to do some things, you know, there's not only one right way as you know, the older we get, the more that we continue to learn and develop. Right. I want to make sure that's clear. Um, but there's obviously mistakes we could do that would hinder us as athletes or hold our players back from a coaching standpoint. So what are some of those common mistakes that you've noticed? I think a, a really big mistake that kind of goes under the radar as being a mistake is training your shooting at all fatigue levels. So if you are a, a coach or you're a player and you specifically work on your form shooting or getting all your shots up, before practice or at the beginning of practice, then you're only practicing when you feel your best. During a game, later in the game, you're not going to feel your best anymore. You're going to be beat up, you're going to be tired, your legs are going to be gone, and they're not going to be the same as they were at the beginning of the game. So as a coach, I would make sure that I am training my players in all intensities and especially fatigue. So uh, making sure that you're randomizing when you are putting your shooting practice within your pra- uh, within practice itself so that your players can be working on making sure they're consistent, uh, consistently shooting the same. Because have you ever, everybody can answer this probably is, have you ever had a guy worked uh, who was on your team who was a great practice shooter? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the coach could could help that person because they have something going for them, but if they got to put them in more of a high stress environment where they wouldn't just be a practice shooter, but that they were practicing more when they're really tired as well as when they're fresh, because they're probably really tired because they just got off the bench or they're, they're, they're real, like a good shooter because they're only practicing when they're fresh, right? They're probably not practicing all the time. They're sitting on the side, they're on the, the third string or whatever. They come off and they're just popping but the coach isn't going to play them because they can't duplicate it in a game, right? The speed's off, their mentality's off, and they're more tired because the intensity's different, right? So I think that kind of splitting up and making sure your players can shoot and measure their shooting percentage on how tired they are would be really, really valuable. That's a good point. I think a lot of practices, you put the skill development, the shooting in the beginning because you kind of progress into more gameplay at the end of a workout, but to sprinkle in shooting drills or even by the day changing up when you do some of those shooting exercises, especially, especially um, that's a great point. Great idea. 
Yeah. Um, and kind of partnering with that is mimicking game intensity in, in practice. And I think that's one thing that your training really does well is a lot of your, your camps, you put them in game type situations where the offensive players at an advantage or a disadvantage. And it's really game-like, right? It's mimicking a tiny scenario that you find mm -hmm. in the game all the time. Right. And you're mimicking it in a drill, but a lot of time, some people, if they're like you and they're like me, they've pr had to practice by themselves a lot. Right. Which, if you're practicing by yourself a lot, you probably become only a practice shooter, like we talked about, because they're not mimicking that game intensity. So, I you have to kind of put your mind in a spot where you're like, somebody wants to stop you. Hmm. They do not want you to score. It is their only role in life right. at this moment between buzzer and buzzer to make <laughs> sure you aren't scoring. That's all they have to do. That's what they want. If you're, if you're a, the, the guy on the team, you need to practice like that is your life when you're training. They, the, other, the other team, their coach is intentionally running through practices to make sure that you are stopped. You got to train like that, with that intensity and that in mind that nobody can stop you and that you're going to hit every shot no matter what. So common mistake, visualization not visualizing yeah. enough, you know, and I think that there's one, one thing that makes, you know, you're a great shooter, right? I was a great shooter. One thing that you have in common, if you're a great shooter is you have the ability, whether you're by yourself or not to visualize the fact that somebody else is guarding you, trying to stop you. Okay. Yeah. And if you're out on the court working out by yourself during the summer, and in your mind, you only see yourself because you're actually the only person out on the court. That's a common mistake. That's a common mistake. That's what most people do. You got to be in the minority where you're visualizing the actual game as you're working on that rip into a pull-up jump shot, right? Or how quick you have to get off that catch and shoot because somebody's closing out on you trying to contest that contest that shot. So uh, I, I like that one. The, a common mistake is, is the visualization of how we see the defense and offense, whatever it could be, uh, trying to stop us in the game. That's great. Yeah. You got to have a creative mind mm -hmm. with it to take yourself there and almost like be emotionally invested into the drill. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we see some of the most successful players is they're not only competitive in, um, in the game because it matters more there, but practice matters equally as much that they're going to beat their teammates. Right. I think that's a huge characteristic. And if they're alone, they're trying to beat themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. So huge characteristic of successful people all around, but successful ballers being creative and feeling that intensity, even when they're by themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any other common mistakes you want to, you want to roll out here? Cause I did want to talk about some nutrition aspects as well. That's what my last one is, is nutrition. My common oh, mistake. Okay. Perfect. Is yeah. Right into that transition. Seamless. Um, <laughs> but there, there's one short story is we would have uh, pre-game meals. I know the years was traditionally spaghetti. Oh, terrible. Um, what a mistake. Oh, it probably was. Who knows what, how, how man, more, I, I don't know. I, who knows what I would have done high school if I didn't eat that for every single game. Mm. Dude, the worst that I've, probably ever played i was there in my mind well i wasn't there in my mind i had chicken alfredo and amy mcbrayer the best chicken alfredo she puts all the cheese in the world that you can you can have ton of noodles good chicken whatever i didn't know anything about nutrition though i felt so bad i felt literally running up the court and thinking <laughs> i was gonna fall asleep and our whole team was like that we barely won we should have smoked these guys the other team they came at they came and shook our hands at after the game and they're like nice try we wouldn't even play that good and i was like we didn't play that good we were we, i felt like we were shot in the butt with a tranquilizer and we still beat you so then we played them again and we we annihilated them that was my best game ever i shot uh 10 for 11 that game ridiculous and that same guy who shook my hand and said we didn't even play that good and we almost beat you I was like i gotta show him what's up next time but I was just thinking of, as, a, as a younger athlete, 
when you have an off game the way that we did as a whole, how many times, like, as you and as me, we're going willing to go in every single way to get the edge when it comes to our physical application of practicing. But one thing that never crossed my mind was eating. Yeah. How many games could we have performed better and more consistently and not had those off nights because of something with our eating that we just like wouldn't even draw the lines to, to be like, Mm -hmm. I shot bad because I didn't drink enough water today because I had too much of this or yeah, what I had for lunch, blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, that could have been, that could have been another thing. I was very, very willing to change to make sure that I would perform because that's the main thing performance. So, so I hope you guys are appreciating this podcast because you're getting like actual stories with this one. I mean, a lot of times we talk about the strategy or the development, but you with Zach, you're getting like some home hard hitting personal <laughs> stories to go along with the information. This is a great combination and a lot of fun to record. So uh, again, I had a very specific routine because I was a, I wanted to perform. Right. And so I, I yeah. would come home from school. I would immediately get my nap in, right? Then I would wake up from my nap. I would um, take like a quick shower. And then I would eat a bunch of spaghetti because at that point I had been told a lot of carbs, a lot of energy, right? You're going to get a lot of energy to play. Okay. And so, and I would, then I would go to the gym if it was a home game. I'd be usually the first person at the gym before the JV basketball game, right? You were so I, you were two inches, two inches from being correct. Like you uh, were right, but you were also like wrong at the same time. You just had your carbs timing wrong too early. Exactly. I should have done it the day before, right? Right. Yeah. So I was going pregame meal and and I was going hard on the spaghetti because I was like more spaghetti equals more energy for this game. And so I wasn't having a a little bowl of spaghetti. I was having like two plates of spaghetti before the game. I would go to the gym, uh, you know, about ready to burst. And I would, I would do the, I would work out before the JV basketball game, shoot all the way up to the point that before they would like run out with 15 minutes left uh, before the game, do that watch that game, go back again, shoot at halftime of the JV game. And then, so long story short, I was trying to do everything I thought I was supposed to do to play great. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But in reality, um, that meal should just have gone probably before the next day. And I would have not felt exhausted because looking back, my teams that I played on were very much second half teams we usually came out at halftime and played great in the second half. And I'm just thinking, I I wonder if that was just part of the natural digestive system is like, it was, it was starting to work its way, you know, out of my stomach. I don't know how that stuff works where it was like by the second half of a basketball game, I felt like my normal self again. And that I usually played really well in the second half. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. Can I, can I just kind of explain like if what it, what it would look like if you were to, Please do dial this in. Please do. So um, part of what I what I do actually is I have fighters who have to cut a ton of white in water, 10 to 15 pounds of just strict water so that once they weigh in, they can blow up and be way heavier than the other guy and feel a lot better than the other guy. And they're not losing muscle, you know, to to get to that very low weight. Just had somebody fought the other night who um he had to get down to 155. He normally walks around at 180. So he had to cut down to 176 or no, 160, 166 weighs in at 155 and then blows up to 174, you know, the next day. So, um, awesome. Really awesome. He felt great. It was good. Um, very different than basketball. It's way more simple. What you almost had going for you is that you had complex carbs and they're simple carbs. So complex carbs, they're good for tomorrow. If I have it today, it's going to affect me and give me incredible, incredible energy tomorrow, right? But today it's not going to be helpful. In fact, it might slow you down. So with simple carbs, which are more sugary things like fruit, stuff like that, that's going to be helpful within an hour to a half hour. 
if you had tangerines and apple, banana, whatever it might be, those are going to sugar you up and get you, give you energy today. So if you were to ideally go into a game, you would want to have a ton of carbs. So tomorrow I'm joining my MMA practice. I haven't done it in a little while. So it hurts to fight people. So I'm going to eat a ton of rice today because I want to feel like an animal tomorrow. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to have, you know, fruit before practice about an hour, half hour before. And I'm going to make sure that I haven't eaten in a little while. So that coming up upon when I need to perform, I'm going into the game hungry. What that does is it raises your cortisol levels, which is raising your fight or flight so that you're more alert. You're more aware of your surroundings and that you can, you can think clearer because your body um, is triggered to have to be more aware because you're in kind of a stressed uh, state. So you can raise your cortisol by, I was, I don't know if you're, if you're playing at seven, I would say last meal, five, uh, maybe even four o'clock, whatever it looks like for you to get a little bit hungry going in. That's what you want. You're going to perform way better. Have just a few fruits beforehand. It's funny you say that because I think of some of the times where I feel like I played really well and I felt like I was just a tad hungry, you know, and, and knowing what we know now about the human body that we didn't know, you know, 20 plus years ago is crazy. And no matter if I had a good game and I was still like a little bit hungry, I, I, I chalked it up to, I just had a good game. I overcame, I was hungry and I still played great. <laughs> Imagine how good I would have played on a full belly. Like that was, that was what I was telling myself is like, I was just, you know, it just kind of happened anyway. But Mm -hmm. if I played on a full, you know, if in a place where I wasn't hungry, man, I would have played even better. Yet when I was in that spot, it was usually full and like halfway through the game, I felt like my normal self again. So it's just funny how we trick ourselves almost based on the information that we have. Uh, or don't have, which gets into the mental aspect of the game and to training, which I know you wanted to touch on as we round this podcast out as well. And I mean, this, this has been fantastic. We've touched on so many different areas throughout this podcast and let's cap it off and go big baby. uh, As we talk a little mindset here to finish. Yeah, dude, I think that ultimately what I'm taking away from this podcast is little inches. What are the little things that you can do to ensure that you are performing better than the next guy and these are the little things you're already going to work hard but what are the little ways that you can be a little more tactical about how you do things so that you're performing at your highest um one thing that with our fighters that we kind of try to teach a little bit is you can't get upset when you when you fail so with jump rope in particular what we kind of train is that if you mess up with your jump rope most people, they're like, they stop. They're like, dang it. They go again. And they're like, dang it. Every time you say dang it, there's an opportunity for you to become more resilient. If you didn't say dang it, you didn't get upset with yourself. Instead, you just kept on moving and plugging along. Because if we're thinking of it as a, as a fight, you can't say dang it, throw your hands down and be like, dang, I just got punched in the head. I was That wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, I moved the wrong way and I got hit. You can't be like, dang it, you're in this thing. You're resilient. You're going to keep on going. There's no other option. So when we're jump roping, we think of that same thing where it's like, if you nick your foot, we don't even want to stop pretending that we're jump roping. While we're still moving, we're going to get that jump rope back in motion. Just because it hit my foot doesn't mean I'm going to stop, reset, and then start moving. I try to keep on moving while I'm messed up and keep on moving my feet and get that jump rope back in motion. It just makes you more resilient. It's definitely a characteristic that anybody who's successful, uh, especially in the sports world, have in common is that they're they're resilient in different things that they may come into, uh, come up their way, whether it's a fight or a, a big basketball game or uh, a basketball practice where things don't quite seem to be going right. Um, that's one thing that I've noticed with anybody that's a high performer, a high achiever, is they're able to take that bump in the road. They're able to take uh, that obstacle and they bounce back faster than somebody else who takes that same exact hit and they just stay down and it takes them forever to get back mm-hmm. up and go again. And it doesn't mean you don't learn from the mistake that you've made or the obstacle that has come into your way that, you know, maybe was uncontrollable, 
but you're able to get back in. I mean, if, if you make a mistake and you're down for one, two, three, four, five. Okay. And I, I got up at one. Well, there's four extra seconds and now I'm ahead of you. Right. And that's oh, yeah. that ability that's to awesome. bounce back quick. That makes a big difference. Yeah. So we probably all fail similar amount of times, but it's the, how long are you down? Like that adds up big time, you know? So especially for shooters, if you're a shooter and you're beating yourself up between misses, man, you are not even half the shooter you could be if you had a stronger mind. Hmm. Um, you got to take care of your mind. You got to take care of yourself when you're not performing, when you're trying to overcome, you have to be confident in your next shot and know that everything's falling. Um, everything's going to go in. So, um, I think, um, another thing, I don't know what, what format you wanted for this, or if you just kind of thinking like, yeah, just give a motivational speech. But one thing that I've been kind of been on is realizing in myself that, um, when you say, I want to go all out for this, I want to go all out in my life. I want to go all out for whatever it may be. Um, it sounds really daunting to say that I'm going all out. It's going to require everything of me. I'm going to have to completely like push all my chips into the middle of the table. It sounds really scary, but if we look at it this way, you already, so let's say that you going all out is 10 steps away every single day that you're waking up and putting in at least a little bit of effort. You're probably taking seven or eight steps already. So you're only two or three steps away from going absolutely all out for yourself. But it's those last two steps that most people aren't willing to take because their perspective is wrong and they think it's too daunting. But in reality, it's not that far away from them. Being the person that they, they, they've been thinking about, that they should become, it's not that far off. You just got to go. You just got to lay down everything that, that says like what, what your standards are. Your standards are too low. You've been taking eight steps. If you could wrap your head around that, You've been taking eight steps instead of 10. You're already at the eight. Take two more every single day. That's nothing. You're going to be seeing everything change for yourself. If you're moving forward like that and not thinking about the, man, I'm going all out. So what? You only have one life to be here. You only have one impression to make. You only have one time to inspire people. And it's not that big of a sacrifice, honestly. And it pays you back way more than if you're just like, dude, screw it. I'm going to take these extra two, two or three steps every single day. Keep on getting smarter and more tactical about how I'm doing things. And you're going to, you're going to change everybody around you as well as, you know, your impact yourself. So, I mean, take the extra little steps, dude. You have to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a good perspective to have because you're right. It can be daunting, you know, to be like, man, I've really got to. I want to exert myself to be the person that I want to be, but chances are you're already doing a lot of the right thing. So instead yeah. of waking up and be like, boy, I'm at zero and I have to get to 10. It's like, well, I'm probably automatically doing the things that are putting me at seven or eight. I just got to right. go boom. That little bit extra is really going to take me, take me over the top. You have to do things today that your future self is going to thank you for. Yeah, right? preach. Um, yeah. And, and I would like to thank my past self having that mindset i'd like yeah. to thank myself as i finish this podcast because we're close to we're close to summer camp season and zach i've had a calf injury that's been bothering me on and off for a couple of years mm -hmm. i got uh COVID after thanksgiving and i was messed up for quite a while i am not trying to get political or anything like that but i think it was january 16th i woke up and i was like oh i'm myself but from when i came home from thanksgiving so about January 16th, the whole, all the way through the month of December, Christmas, halfway through the month of January, I did not feel right. I did not feel myself. I was in a brain fog. I had yeah. no energy. I had no strength. I lost a bunch of weight, not feel good. And I was just kind of like hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. And I believe it was January 16th. I woke up and I don't know what happened, but I was like, I'm me again. I'm me again. And I told myself, when I snap out of this, like I'm hanging on, I'm, you know, doing what I can. 
But when I, when I get over this hump, I know I'm not going to be in this position forever. When I get over this hump, it's on. And since January 16th, I've done something to better myself physically every day. I missed a day. Now, some of those days I'm hitting the gas and I'm, you know, burning out. And then other days it's like, you know, more stretching and more mobility and listening to your body and trying to figure out, Hey, you know, like I just need to work on some balancing type exercises for my calf and my leg injury and things like that. And, uh, you know, so like last week or so I dunked it for the first time in six months, I was able to dunk a ball. And I mean, it was a long process to be able to get back to where I want to be. And, you know, when you get to that point where from January 16th to the end of May, and you're able to look in the past that far and say, man, I've been working towards this. And that's where, why I am at where I'm at right now. You'd be able to look back and be like, man, I'm really glad I had the mindset of doing something on January 16th, January 31st, February 15th of doing something on those days, whether I felt like it or not, because now my future self, which is right now, yeah. I'm really thankful for the guy who's been busting his butt in the past, dude, uh, you know, four and a half months uh, to get to the position that I am. So I can have a great summer. That's just an example, you know, personal story. Yeah. Most people just, man, I'm not feeling it today. My pastor always says you may have feelings, but your feelings don't have you mm-hmm. Dude, They can't yeah. dictate the way you're the, 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 the boxes that you're going to check today. The, the values right. that you have don't change just because you're not feeling it. We're in such a powerful culture of feelings. It's like, what about the guys we're going to get down and just make it happen every single day? You know, like feelings are not primary. They're secondary. Putting in the work, going through the process, being diligent, being disciplined, because motivation is is the feeling type of stuff, mm-hmm. right? If, if, if you're only moving when you're motivated, come on, man. You, you, it's about discipline. It's about like, this is what life looks like me moving forward and getting better every single day feelings aside. This is what I do. This is who I am. This is the way I work. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I'm, I'm motivated very rarely. And when I am, I milk it for everything that it's Great. worth. Mm-hmm. You got to milk it for everything that's <laughs> worth because it's rare and it's a gift from heaven, <laughs> but you have to make it a discipline. Otherwise that motivation was for nothing. Don't rely on your feelings uh, in a good way to show up and help. And also don't, don't give so much stock in your feelings on your bad days either. What do you Mm got to do? Just go, let's move, Mm -hmm. wake up a little Mm -hmm. early. Who cares? Let's go. Mm -hmm. Do you want it or not? Yeah. Zach, this has been awesome. Touched on so many different things from lunges and squats and, and cleans to athletic development, different types of dynamic movements that we can use nutrition talked about some of our own, failings in that area and then what it looks like to get better out of it and uh the mental approach to being successful not only in basketball but you know as a person as well so thanks for taking the time to be on the coach's edge podcast thank you to temple fitness for being a sponsor for kramer basketball we certainly appreciate it yeah man of course love being on the podcast I'm glad we could chat and yeah keep on going y'all keep on working implement some of these things because they're going to take you so far. It's worth it. Make these changes. Thanks for listening. Get after it today.